0: You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. going on today? It's going to be a good day. Um, I just, I just pray that you have felt God, and for, anything, for anybody who walks through these doors, we just pray that you feel the Spirit of God here, because a sermon's not going to move your heart, the music isn't going to move your heart, it's only God that does that, and I pray that He's moving your, in your heart today and that you're discovering who He is. Um, we've had several people just walk through the doors, and, and they say, man, I don't know, when I, when I walk into this place, there's just a peace here, and there's, there's something... There's something here. I don't know what it is. And I want to tell them well, it's the spirit of God. It's, he's working in, in life. There's um, just fabulous stories of how people just walk in and instantly just God works in their lives. And so it's amazing what God does um, through his people and through his church. And as we, as we continue with this series in Acts, I want to talk more about how God uses every moment of our life to, um, to do miracles and to shape who we are. There we go. We are uh, gonna be in Acts today. Surprise. Um, so we're gonna be in Acts, and we're actually gonna be in Acts 26, uh, 23. We're skipping a few, a few, actually Acts 26, my bad. Acts 26. We're skipping a few chapters because everything that went between Paul getting arrested and this moment is is Paul actually talking about uh, the gospel and what God has done through all the things that he's been through. And so Here's the moment where where Paul fulfills this testimony that that God has told him he was going to do in Acts chapter 9. In verse 15, it says, But the Lord said, Go for Saul as my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And, And Paul is in this moment now where he's going to be talking to kings and governors. And I want you to know this morning that God does not waste a moment of your life. So often we think that our circumstances and the, and the place we're in or the consequences we're in, that God can't use us in those moments. And I'm telling you, God has you right where he wants you. You might think it's a setback, but God's using it to set you up to do something amazing in that place. And I think so often we fail to see the opportunity that's in front of us because there's pain involved. But I'm telling you, when we push past the pain and the, and the difficulty, God can do miracles. But you have to be willing to push through and see the opportunities in front of you. And Paul has this opportunity now to speak to the king of Israel, like King Agrippa. And he has the opportunity to speak to the governor of Jerusalem, all in the same moment. He has this great opportunity to proclaim the gospel to these people. He understands that every moment is precious. Scripture says, be very careful of how you spend your time because the days are evil. We need to understand that every moment that God gives us is an opportunity, the good or the bad. It's an opportunity to spread the gospel and to spread the word of God. And so we're going to open this scripture passage up in Acts 26, verse 1 through 32. It's a very long long story, so buckle in. Hopefully you've had your coffee, and I'll try to put some inflection so you don't fall asleep. Uh, I've had some coffee and some caffeine, so I'm good. So here we go. If you have your Bibles, Acts 26, verse 1 through 32. So then Agrippa said to Paul, Paul, we're here. We're going to listen to you now. You may speak in your defense. And so Paul gestured his hand, started his defense, and I love the way he opens up. I'm fortunate, King Agrippa, that you are the one hearing my defense today against all these accusations made by the Jewish leaders. He's saying, it's a privilege to be able to share the gospel with you, King Agrippa. God put me here for this moment and this reason. And then he goes, for I know you're an expert in all Jewish customs and controversies. Now, please listen to me patiently because I'm about to tell you about this great controversy of Jesus. And as the Jewish leaders are very well aware, I was given a thorough Jewish training from my earliest childhood among my own people and in Jerusalem. If they would admit it, they know that I've been a member of the Pharisees, the strictest sect of religion. Now, I am on trial because of my hope and the fulfillment of God's promise made to our ancestors. In fact, that is why the 12 tribes of Israel zealously worship God day and night, and they share the same hope that I have, yet your majesty, they accuse me for having this hope. Why does it seem incredible to any of you that God can raise the dead? This is the hinge that holds the gospel together. If it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus, our faith would be useless. The resurrection is the thing that we hold on to. It's the thing that we look forward to. That's why Jesus came, to give us life eternal. And the resurrection is proof of that. If Jesus wasn't raised, then our faith is useless, as Paul even says. And he's saying, I believe in the resurrection. But you're saying it's incredible that God can raise the dead. Come on, if God created the universe, he can raise the dead, right? Right? So I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus, the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death, and many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down into foreign cities. It goes, and then one day. You know, we all have those one-day moments, don't we? It's like, and then one day, God changed my life. I was doing this, and then one day I was doing something completely opposite. I was going, running against God, and the next day I'm running towards God. What happened? That's the same thing with Paul. He's saying, man, one day I was going after Jesus. I was in not a good way. I was going to tear his name down. I was going to tear his people up. And then something happened that changed everything. And for you as a believer, you had that one day that God changed everything. And he goes, one day I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with authority and commission of the leading priests. And about noon, your majesty, I was on the road and a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down and I heard a voice sing to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And this is the, this is the term we're really going to focus on today. And then the new living that we're reading out of here puts it this way, but I'm going to read it later in another version that has the original. It says, It is useless for you to fight against my will. It's useless, Paul, to fight against what I'm doing. Then he goes, Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get to your feet. I have prepared for you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them that I will show you in the future and I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes So that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. There's always a turning with God. Always a turning from darkness into light, from death to life, from evil to God. And we are set apart in faith in me. And so, King Agrippa, this is his case. So, Almighty King, I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and through all Judea and all to the Gentiles, and that all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove they have changed by the good things they do. For a believer, there's some evidence of our life being changed by Jesus. It's like we automatically start doing good things. It's not that we do good things to get to God, but it's because of God. We, out of our thankfulness for what he's done to our life, we produce these good things in our life, these good works that he's talking about. And then he goes, Some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this, and they tried to kill me, but God has protected me right up to the present time so I can testify to everyone, from the least to the greatest. I teach nothing except the prophets and Moses, and what Moses said would happen that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead. And in this way, God's light to the Jews and Gentiles alike. And suddenly, Festus shouted, This is the governor, Paul, you're insane. Too much study has made you crazy. But Paul replied, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. What I'm saying is the sober truth. And King Agrippa knows about these things. I speak boldly, for I'm sure that these events are all familiar to him, for they were not done in a corner. The resurrection of Jesus, the movement, the Jesus movement was not done in the dark. It was displayed for all to see. The cross, Jesus' death, the movement of the church. It was not done in a corner and in the dark. King Agrippa knows about these things. He knows about controversies, right? And so he's, he's reminding King Agrippa here, look, you've seen the truth, but you're not walking in it. You're kicking against God's will. You're fighting against what he's doing. And then he says this, King Agrippa, kind of goes straight to the heart here. You believe the prophets. I know you do. So why don't you believe this? And Agrippa interrupted him and said, do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? (laughs) Other translations say, do you think you can make me act like a Christian so quickly? Meaning believing in this resurrection and, and, and worshiping Jesus as Lord. And Paul replied, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for these chains. I love Paul's heart here. He's in chains. He's sitting before the very people that could have him murdered and killed and tried and put in prison. But he says this, I pray that you would know Jesus that you would be just like me except for these chains on my wrists. I understand that the moment that I'm in, the place that you've put me, God has put me in this place, is an opportunity for me to share the gospel and the truth, that you would be unchained and that you would be free. And then Paul replied, quickly or not, again, I pray that God to both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I, except these chains. Then the king, the governor, Bernice, and all the others stood and left. As they went out, they talked it over and agreed, this man hasn't done anything to deserve punishment or death. And Agrippa said to Festus, he could have been set free if he wouldn't have appealed to Caesar. Paul knew the moment. He took the opportunity. The question I have for you is, will you take the opportunity? Will you follow the leading of Jesus? When he put you in places to share your fa- your faith and your testimony, Paul knew that everything that happened to him was for a reason and a purpose. And Paul even said that there was a moment in his life when he gave his life to Jesus. There was that one day where he came face to face with Jesus. But the thing with Paul is that his his conversion was suddenly, but it was also progressive. It was progressively sudden. I know that's kind of a contradiction. But how many of you have discovered with God that's how he works? It's like you're waiting and 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 you're waiting. And, you're waiting. and then one day, pow, it's all there. It's like, God, are you got to ever answer this prayer? Are you ever going to work? And it's, it's all of a sudden, but it's progressive. When you come to faith, it's the same way. It's like God is moving you and directing you all your life to come to him. And then one day you finally step through the door. But your whole life he's nudging you and he's prodding you. To go through the door. And when, and when Paul is giving his testimony, he says this. He goes, when Jesus was talking to him, he said, it's hard for you to, to go against my will. The translation in the ESV says, why are you persecuting me, Saul? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Well, what's a goad? Can I get my poker? I have a poker. I don't play. Well, I'm not good at poker. But um, what is a goad? A goad is, it's an ox goad. We don't have oxes here, but we do have cattle. You know what a cattle prod is, right? Bzz, makes them move. It gets them going. It makes them do what they want to do. Actually, have a picture here of an ox goat. So it's a very long, it's about an eight-foot long stick that the person driving the ox team would be behind there, and if the ox would go to the left or to the right, because ox are too big to kind of just move like this. So if it goes the wrong way, whack, go the other way, whack. If it slows down, poke. You know, it's an ox goat. It goes them into going in the right direction. And and Jesus was asking Paul here, why do you fight against the goading? Why do you kick against the thing that's trying to get you to where I want you to be? And as as people, we do this so often with God. We're always fighting against what God's trying to do in our life. God's trying to poke us and prod us into the way he wants us to go, but yet we're still kicking against it, going, no, 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 I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna give my life to you. I'm I'm gonna fight against you my whole life. And a great example of this is C.S. Lewis. He was a man that that would just outright deny Christ, but then eventually come to faith and write some of the most magnificent works on Christianity ever. C.S. Lewis is, is a great man of God, but he didn't start that way. He wrote to his good friend when he was only 17. He wrote to his friend, Arthur Grease, and this is what he said. I believe in no religion, There is absolutely no proof of any of them. And from a philosophical standpoint, Christianity, it's not even the best. So why would you even believe in it? But then we see 15 years later, Lewis writing to the same friend, and he says this. Christianity is God expressing himself. It's God expressing himself through what we call real things, namely the actual incarnation crucifixion, and resurrection. So what happened? The Lord poked him. The Lord prodded him. The Lord kept poking at C.S. Lewis until he finally came to faith. C.S. Lewis, he said, I was the most reluctant convert. He says, when I entered the kingdom of heaven, it was kicking and screaming. He was the most reluctant convert because in his mind, it didn't make sense. But what brought him to the reality of who he was is this statement that he was talking about. He says, I was at this time, so this is him without faith, why he was so angry at God. He goes, I was at this time living like so many atheists and anti-theists, those without God, in a whirl of contradictions. I maintained that God did not exist. And I was also very angry with God for not existing. I was so very angry with God for not existing. I was equally angry with him for creating a world. So there's a huge contradiction there. If there's no God, then why are you mad at him? And that's what he came to his senses like. If there's no God, then why am I so angry? Something's got to be going on here. There's a conviction in his heart that kept prodding him and poking him to realize that there was a God after all. That was a poke from God. Hey, C.S. Lewis, you're mad at me. Why? If I don't exist, then why why am I irritating you right now? And that's what God does. He irritates us to get us to where we want to be. Uh, That's my story. He irritated me until I made my life to Jesus. He poked me. He prodded me. Sometimes he stabbed me to get to where I needed to be. And for us, the best thing we can do is just keep showing up and keep allowing God to poke you into his presence. My wife started coming to church here. Many of you know my story. And I came reluctant. I was like C.S. Lewis, kicking and screaming. I did not want to be here. But I sat there for months. Hands on the, you know, stoic, like this. Didn't care. Didn't want to listen to the pastor. Didn't really care about the music. But I showed up. And guess what? Every week, God was poking. He was poking. He was prodding. He was leading until one day, until one day I entered in to the kingdom of heaven, because I realized that his poking and the irritation was his love and his grace. And I think for so many of us, we we think the poking and the prodding from God is a is a punishment or 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 or, or discipline, but I'm telling you, it's the most beautiful form of grace that you'll ever receive, and when God pokes you because he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to show you who he is. And for C.S. Lewis, it was this defining moment that he finally understood the beauty and the majesty of Jesus and of the kingdom of heaven. There's a story that says when he was, when he first went to Oxford University, he took it the wrong way, so I'm gonna read it, he goes, he was on this bus and he exited the Oxford Railway Station for the first time. He was loaded down with luggage, Mistakenly, he started walking down the street in the wrong direction, like many of us. I don't know how I got here. As he kept walking, he grew disappointed at the rather plain houses and shops he found. Only when he reached the edge of town did he return, did he turn around to see the beautiful spires and towers that constitute Oxford. And telling the story, Lewis says, this little adventure was an allegory of my whole life. His whole life, he was going the wrong direction. And the further he went down this road, the more bland his life became. The more plain things were. There was no joy expressing itself. There was no hope in the future. And the further he walked down this path, the further away from beauty he truly got. And then one day he, he realized, when he turned around and realized he was going the wrong way, he turned and he saw the beauty that was before him. And that changed his heart to realize that God is the beauty that I'm looking for, that Jesus is the way into the kingdom, and it changed his life forever, and that's what God does. He takes us from one direction and moves us to the other direction. He changes our life. He he goads us. He pokes us into where he wants us to be. This isn't an off-goat. It's a fire poker, a wood poker, but I think it's a great example of what what God does for us. Because, you know, for those of you who have fireplaces or, you know, I know how to use this thing, besides stabbing people, right, Christian? <laughs> um, when the fire is going and you're trying to move the logs around so you keep the heat, right, you keep it going, firm. And often a, ro- a, log-, a log will roll off the fire and immediately it almost goes out, right, it's like, psh- but when you poke it back into the fire, what happens? Ignite, ignition. And God does that with us so often, especially as followers, because sometimes we just get cold to God. We get cold to what he's doing in our life, and we just don't feel any heat. We don't feel any f- the fire of God. But often he'll take a poker, and he'll poke us back into the fire. Well, what's the fire? It's the church. It's the church. God sends these little pokers out, right? People. He sends the church out. He sends the pokers out to to poke you back to where you need to be. I'm so thankful for the pokers in my life that have poked me back to where I need to be saying, hey, come on. You got this. God's not done with you. Yeah, you messed up, but God's not done with you. God loves you. God's here for your marriage. He can restore that. God uses little pokers (laughs) to do amazing things. You should tell your neighbor that, do you know you're a poker." Yeah, you just poke your, poke your wife, poke your husband. We're good at poking or pushing buttons, whatever the difference is, you know. And these pokes from God come from different things. They come from people, yes, but they're also, they feel a whole lot like conviction. How do we know we're being poked? How do we know it's from God? It's a conviction deep within us that says this is, something's not right here. Something's off. But C.S. Lewis is a deep conviction when he said, Wait a minute. There's no God, but I'm angry at God. Why is that? There's convictions in our heart that show us that, man, there's got to be something more to this life. I mean, look around the world. It's a mess. That can't be right. We We know it's not right. We know there's something more here, that something's missing. And what is it? It's the kingdom of heaven. That there should be something better than this. It's a conviction deep within our hearts that moves us to who God is. When I was 16, the conviction of God was pretty strong, and I didn't realize it was God until I came to faith. But me and my friend, when I was 16, we were dipping snuff a lot. And we didn't have any money because you're 16, you don't have a job. And, um, <laughs> and so we're at Walmart, and, uh, and we see these rows of snuff, Copenhagen, right? And he's like, man, I want some of that. And I'm like, well, I don't have any money. He's like, I got this. Starts walking out the door and says, why don't you grab a can too? And I'm like, if I grab a can, gonna, this is, you're going to get arrested. It's bad. It's not good. And the fear overcame me. But yet I still, hopefully Walmart doesn't come get me for that $3 can of snuff that I stole back in the day. That's probably 20. Yeah, it's crazy now. I'm glad God delivered me from tobacco. But... There was a conviction there knowing that this was not right. And growing up, there's a conviction that happens when you just know things are right. The, the, the fear is that often we just don't listen to the conviction anymore and we kind of bypass it. And the more we do something outside of God's will, the easier it becomes to do. And the conviction just kind of disappears. We need to be, a, we need to be aware of that. And the second poking of God. Is, the first is that gentle poke of conviction. Come on, you're made for more than this. You're better than that. And then there's the irritating jab of circumstances. It's irritating, right? We don't like circumstances. And these aren't things that really just that we do to bring it upon ourselves. Sometimes it is, but a lot of circumstances are out of our control. The world we live in, right? The nation, the, the sickness that comes upon us. And sometimes we go through these hard illnesses in our life, and we don't know why it's there, but I'm telling you, God may not have put it there, but he wants to use it to draw you back into him so that you will press into him because there's something more there than what you're feeling. It's it's an irritating jab. He's saying, come on, come on. I know this this hurts right now, but I'm bringing you back. I'm bringing you in. I want you to do something in that circumstance because so often, guys, what we do is we, we get in a circumstance and we just give up. And God's saying, I don't want you to give up. I want you to do something in that circumstance to bring me glory. But yet we don't do that. We forget about the grace of God in our circumstances. And then there's the forceful stab of consequences. It's like God's final try. He's like, okay, you're not, you're not, you don't, you don't take the conviction. The circumstances aren't getting you to me. It's time for the death blow. <laughs> it's like it's time for the stab. You know, parents, you know how this goes. Yeah. Then it's the pinch or the, you know, the poke or whatever it is. It's like I'm getting your attention. And you see this so often. And prison's a great example of this. When people go to prison, they, they're, oh, man, the consequences have full weight. They feel the full weight of the, of the consequences of their actions And in those moments, they can either do two things. They can turn completely away from God, be angry at the world, or they can turn their lives to Jesus and their lives are changed forever. And I'm telling you, there's people in prison right now that are more free than many people right here sitting down today because they found Jesus. They found the hope that's in him. And no matter what happens in this world or this body, they're free because they know Jesus and have experienced his forgiveness So if you're dealing with consequences today, rest assured that God still loves you and he wants to do something for you. He's saying, come to me. Come to me. Let me love you (laughs) the way that I want to. But believer, we have to be careful. I'm talking to you believers today that you don't become calloused to the prods and the pokes. Because like I said, the more we ignore it, the more calloused our behinds get. And we don't feel the poke anymore. And God's saying, are you going to pay attention to me? Are you paying attention to me? I'm sending people your way. Okay, now there's circumstances. All right, now I'm poking hard, but yet you're like, you're so callous to it because you want your own way. We have to be careful because if that's you today, you're on shaky ground. God is trying to get your attention that you would come to him. And that you would step back into his will and back into his purposes. That's why the church is so important, guys. That's why all the little pokers around you are so important. If it wasn't for the church, we would stray so easily. If it wasn't for the church in my life, if it wasn't for men and women that showed me how to know Jesus and how to love Jesus and how to be a man of God, I don't know where I'd be. Hebrews 10.23 says this let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for we who have promised is faithful. That's Jesus. He's promised this. He's faithful. It's going to happen. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good works. That word there is purposeful. It's a spurring. It's get your attention. Come on, let's go. Not giving up meeting together as some people are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Come on, guys. It's going to get harder and harder to worship Jesus. The days are getting harder. But yet the church is shining brighter. That's what's beautiful about it. Now, you may look at the church in in the United States and go, man, it's really dwindling. But everywhere else in the world, it's, it's exploding because it's about Jesus. It's about nothing else. And that church, those churches understand what it means to be in community with one another. They can't do it alone. And I'm telling you, when I see guys in here not showing up for church, I know there's problems. Because that's what we do as guys. We hide. I'm talking about men. We stop showing up for things. You can't do that. You have to let people in your life to help you, to grow you. That's why, that's why church is so important. That's why small groups are so important. And today after, after today at the end of the service, we're going to have an opportunity for you to join a small group. I pray that you join one because there's something beautiful about community. God uses those people to move you closer to who he is. But yet we think this poker that God's goading is punishment, but it's not. It's grace. It's beautiful. It's his kindness that leads us. To who he is. Scripture says it's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. His poking is kindness. But yet, you're angry with him because you're in pain. But he's he's saying, no, it's a kindness. It's trying to draw you back to who I am. I want you more than anything. And he's going to be relentless. He's going to irritate you until you finally give in. Or you just totally shut him out. That's your choice and that's why he loves you enough to give you that choice and I pray that you choose Jesus I pray that each of you let the cross be the eight-foot stick that draws you to his love and remind you of his love and that the resurrection which is the hinge that holds it all together the weight of the gates of heaven itself be the sharp end that goads you into the kingdom, that moves you by grace and mercy to the Father. I pray that you would stop ignoring it, but that you would go in and walk in and not ignore the pokes. Christian, if you can go and play something. This is how I want to close, if I can get the, the prayer team to come up. This morning. Father, this is a hard word, but God, it's a good word. Lord, I pray that you would show us who you are. God, that we would not settle, that we would not give in, that we would stop deflecting your blows to us. (laughs) Stop deflecting your pokes and getting angry with you. But, Lord, that we would see that the discomfort in our life is, is a tool that you're using to bring us to you. And, Father God, I pray for people in here today, God, that do not know you, that they would come, that they would feel that poke in their heart. And, Lord, they would come and give their life to you, and you would change your life forever, God. change my life. I know you can change theirs. And Lord, I pray that they would not ignore the poke today. But that they would give their life to you. Lord, I pray for those today, God, that are calloused. The circumstances and the consequences of life have just made them hard. Lord, I pray that your grace would be like water to their souls. And they would soften their heart to receive what you want to give them today, Father. Lord, you love them so much that you sent your son to die for them. Lord, that their will would not contend with your will anymore, that they would give in to you and allow you to love them and give them new life. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, God. So this is what I want everybody to do. Just close your eyes, bow your heads, and ask a couple questions. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And then we're going to pray for you. Maybe today, if you're watching online today, you've never given your life to Christ and you've felt that irritation all your life. And you've been fighting him. Maybe you've even been mad at him like C.S. Lewis. And you realize what am I mad about? (laughs) If there's no God, then why am I angry? Pay attention to that. That's a prodding. And so today, if you want to say yes to Jesus and and follow that leading that he's leading you to, I just want you to raise your hand up real quick. I want to acknowledge you and I pray for you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anyone else? Anybody else? Give that opportunity. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. says, all heaven, all of heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to Christ. Thank you, Lord. Now, there's people in here today that you felt the poke, you felt the nudging of God, and he's wanting you to step into something new and you're not stepping in because you're fearful or you're afraid. But you know he's poking. You know he's poking you but you're afraid to do it, I want to encourage you. Step out in faith. God is always there when you step out in faith. Pay attention to that poke and walk forward into it. If that's you today and you just feel like, man, God's calling me to do something big, it may not even be that big, but I'm scared and I'm afraid. I'm walking into a new area of my life or area of my of my life, and I'm not sure how to navigate it. We want to pray for you today. So, if that's you, just want to raise your hand real quick so we can pray with you. I want to pray over you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. I see you over there. Thank you. Thank you. All in the house this morning. And now I want to talk to the callous people. If you haven't felt God in a long time. Your faith has just been dry, religious, no joy, no change in your life, no good works. You've you've said the prayer. You believed in Jesus. Maybe one time you were red hot for Christ, like you were on fire for him, and now you're just cold embers, or maybe you feel like you're ash. I want to pray for you specifically. And that's you. I just want you to admit it and just, just raise your hand and we want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. God can restore you. He can poke you back into the fire. He can give you fresh wind, fresh fire. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to pray for you three people, but also the prayer team is up here. So if you need prayer for anything else at all, so as soon as I'm done praying, I'm going to give the altar time. God to do what he does in the altars. And then we're going to close by doing small groups. So, Father, right now, I pray for those that do not know you, that raise their hand. Lord, that they would know you. That, Jesus, they would give their life to you completely. That they would understand that they are saved by grace. And that sin has kept them away from you. But you paid for that sin on the cross, Jesus. You died for them. And you rose again that we may be risen again when you come back. Lord, we thank you for that grace. We accept that grace in Jesus' name. Help us to live for you. Send your spirit inside of us so that we may produce good things and walk in your ways. Thank you, Jesus. For those, Lord, today that are too afraid to step out, you've been poking them and you've been prodding them and you've been telling them, to step out. God, I pray that they would completely... Walk out in faith and know that you're with them, that they would not see with their eyes, but they would know in their soul that you are with them. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Lord, I pray you give them courage to step out in faith, knowing that you're there to catch them, knowing that you're there stepping with them. Thank you, Father, for that. And now, Lord, I pray for those that are calloused, that are hard, that are cold towards you, God, I pray that your fire would begin to roll up in their spirits. God, that your spirit would start to blow again in their lungs. God, that the words they speak, Lord, would be your words. God, that their works they do with their hands would be your works, God. That their hands would do no unclean thing anymore, God, but they would be clean and pure. God, that their hearts would be clean and pure for you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would begin to water their souls with your word and your spirit, that, Lord, you would speak to them, God, when they walk out the door, Lord, that everything in nature, everything would speak to them of your love. That, Lord, they would once again have a burning desire to serve you. I pray, Lord, that you would ignite that fire, God. Help them be connected to the body. Help them to to move into what you want them to do. In Jesus' name, amen.